You know, guys, we, I know I say this all the time, but we can come to this place all the time. We can come and stand in this place all the time. I wasn't going to preach this morning, but I was on the phone to an investment guy today, and I had a, the most incredible thing drop into my heart. And I was talking with Josh and Sean about it this afternoon. And as I was talking to them, they already knew what, where I was going. And I was sitting at my desk and I had this moment of complete, oh my goodness, how haven't we realized this? And then I was talking to Josh and Sean and they're like, yeah, yeah, we've, we know that. And it hit me that we've heard it 110,000 times before, but that we actually haven't done anything with it. The church, and I'm, I'm not saying this to be doom and gloom, but the church has one of the biggest hits coming that it's ever seen in Australia. We're about to have a, an attack. I, I'm not claiming at all to be a, a prophet or prophetic in any sen- of, sense, but I've never felt this that's coming. And I was talking to Adam. I, I caught up with Adam um, for lunch yesterday, and I was talking with him about it, and he said, Bro, if the church isn't ready, this is going to rock the church. I don't know if any of you guys saw the a current affair um, thing that was on on C3. Now, regardless of what you think of C3, there was some truth intertwined in what they were saying in there. But they called out, blatantly called out the scriptures. Blatantly. They came against, they didn't come against C3 Church as an organization only. They didn't come against things that we agree with or disagree with. They came against the very fabric of the scriptures. Current affair. It was a news segment. But the point is, is that if we as a people aren't ready to stand in the spirit, those things are going to rock us to shreds. I was sitting and I, I didn't watch it. I just I saw a post and I went and watched, the, watched it online. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, Flip, this is not, this is, you're calling out Christianity here. You're actually tossing down with Christianity. You're not, you're not calling out a church movement, although it started as that. We need to be ready as a people. The part of what I'm going to preach on, I'm, I'm only going to be half an hour, so we're going to be finished by eight. But a part of what I want to preach on this evening is, is a, a direction for us to actually ready ourselves to understand how to be in the Spirit so that when this stuff comes... We don't get rocked by it as a people. I think something is going to turn around the Sunday morning Christian worshippers. And I want to honour all you guys that are here. Well done. I know it's difficult to come out on a Thursday night. But we've got to get away from just Sunday morning. We aren't meeting on Sunday morning because I want to give the guys who serve the opportunity to go and have a long weekend. A lot of guys can go and do that. But the guys who serve, I want to give them the opportunity to take that day as well. Take the Saturday, Sunday, Monday and go and do whatever they want to do. And we can do this. It's not scary. It's Thursday night. God still comes. God's still here. Right? We still had amazing worship. We can still come into his presence. And I know I'm being a little cheeky, but that's the mentality we have to shift, especially here on the Gold Coast. Because I was watching this news article and I was thinking to myself, oh, I'm one of the crazy guys. I'm the crazy one. Like the, the camera was filming one of their services 
And I thought, if a current affair came in here today, that accused us for the same stuff. That accused me for exactly the same thing. I thought, I'm, I'm that crazy guy. Am I willing to be the crazy guy all the time? Am I willing to do that? I want to tell you, there's a lot of people who sit in churches, which I promise you are not willing to do that. We have to understand how can we be in that place where we say, God, I'm in this. I'm, if your scripture says it, I'm going to do it. The Old Testament talks a lot about the spirit, spirituality being orientated around geography. So as in the, the, the temple on, on Mount Maria, God lived there. The temple that held the Ark of the Covenant, God lived there. When Moses comes before the, the burning bush, he says, you're on holy ground because you're in my presence. You're standing there. And I've been going through and thinking this through, and I, I, I was reminded of a story that um, a famous theologian talks about, and he uses it in 2 Kings 5. And we're not going to go there. I'm just going to explain the story really quickly so that I can explain everything and then get to where we're going. But there's a guy named Gehazi, and he goes before the king of Israel, Naaman. He goes to have his leprosy healed. And the king won't see him. The king says, I'm, he rips his shirt, and he says, I'm not of God. I'm sorry, I'm not God. I can't heal you. Don't come to me. But Elisha comes down. He gives him a word of prophecy. And he says, go and dip yourself in the river Jordan seven times. And Gehazi wrestles, wrestles with it and wrestles with it. But eventually he goes and he dips himself in and he's healed completely. And when he comes back, the king actually goes and sees him. And the king says something very interesting to him. He says that now he must not sacrifice to any other god other than the god of Israel. But the next thing is the very interesting thing. Naaman says to him, if not, please let there be given... He offers him something else and he won't accept it. So he says, if you won't accept that, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth. For from now on, your servant will not offer burnt offerings of sacrifice to any god but the Lord. It's interesting that he gives him two bags of earth. The reason that he did this was that when he prayed for him, he prayed for him on a holy ground that was Israel. So it was understood that the God of Israel could perform and operate on the holy ground that they were on. So he said, let me give to you some of the ground of which God has blessed. Right? So he goes on his way. He takes the holy ground with him. This is such an interesting story because it's a concept that, that we don't really understand here because it's we don't really need to because the, the thing that I want to explain tonight, the thing that I want to walk through is that Jesus makes us holy ground. That we now don't need to carry the dirt of Israel because we are holy ground. So did away with was the temple and the worship in the temple and the need to go into the, the holy of holies because that wasn't the only place that, that God was. That now, because of what Jesus did, he allows us to be holy people. John 14, 20 says this. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. That when we enter into Jesus, we become holy. Does everyone get that? That at our salvation, we went from being unholy and need to bring ourselves into a holy place to now becoming made holy in Christ. That is 
ginormous. Ginormous is a word. Capital G, ginormous. Full word in capitals, ginormous. You are holy in Him. No longer do we have to go to a place to gather the holiness, to step into the holiness. Because we are in Christ, our spirit man, we are holy in Him. There's more to this story. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. I had one job to go and fill my notes in with all the verses, and I failed to do that. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Oh, it's behind me. Spectacular. Do you, Kat, she's, she's absolutely missing. Do you not know that you, us, the people, are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Go me to Ephesians 2, 19-22. Ephesians 2, 19-22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We become living stones with Christ, his temple, the place where his worship was, the place where his ark was held, where, where the covenant was held, where his glory manifested, we become that temple. Now everyone's starting to understand that we've heard this a million times. Two Chronicles 7, 1 verse 3 says this, As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's temple. They bowed down with their faces to the ground and on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love, his steadfast love endures forever. Could you imagine being in a place where Solomon's gathered over 142,000 animals. If you read the next verse, it explains that he had over 142,000 animals. The temple's been finished. They're worshipping. They come before the temple, and the fire of God ascends on them and burns the sacrifice. That Solomon came to a place before the temple that God was so pleased with who he was that he rained fire. He didn't even have to create a fire to give the offering to God. We see this in one other place. We see the fire come down, but we see the fire come down in regards to the temple in another place. And that's in Acts, in the New Testament 2, 1 verse 3. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. That they came before to open the temple in the New Testament after Jesus had died, been resurrected and gone to heaven, and the fire of God came down on the temple. Who? The people. He was as pleased when Solomon finished the temple that he rained down his fire and showed them who he was. He did the same thing in Acts, and that's the same spirit we operate from today. 
So the fire of God, this is all going to make sense when I read the last verse, but the fire of God comes down on his temple, his people, and, and it's from that place that he is worshipped, that that's who he is. Does that make sense? Is everyone with me? Spectacular. Go with me to the last verse I'm going to stop in, Ezekiel 47, verse 1. I read this verse over and over and over and I was trying to work out there's so much stuff in it. There's so much that I could preach. There's so many things that happen and there's so much. And I, I wrote down tons and tons of notes for all kinds of different things. And then I left it and I went away and in my phone call to this guy about something completely different, God showed me something that I think we need to understand as a church. Ezekiel 47 verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, from the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured me a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And as I went, I saw in the bank of the river very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea, which the water flows into the sea. The water, the sea water, will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature swarms that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For, this, for the water that goes there and the water of the many sea became fresh. So everything will live where the rivers go. And it goes on to talk more and more about how beautiful the, the water will be. I was going through this, and there's, there's so much in what gate it goes out of and what gate it comes through. There's so much that Ezekiel sees in this. And we heard Brad preach about the place that Ezekiel's in and the incredible vision but the thing that God showed me while I was on the phone to this guy was that the water comes from the temple. That as he comes around the side, it's the water coming out of the temple. It flows out of the temple. And from the temple, the water, the freshness of the water changes the environment around it. Changes the environment in such a way that the seawater... Think about that, the seawater. Think about a fresh stream flowing into the sea changes the freshness of the sea, that it goes from salty to fresh, clean water. But everything that happens comes out of the temple. So now you go back and think, well, what does that look like for now? We're the temple. We are the temple that the fresh water, the water of the Holy Spirit flows out of and goes into regions and changes the things that are around. That when we stand in a place that is, is dry and barren or when we stand in a place that is, is, in a negative sense, salty and not what it's supposed to be, the water flows from us to change that environment. So I start thinking, okay, God, so, so why then do we stand in a place and say, why won't your spirit come? 
as a people, we stand and we say, God, God, pour out your spirit. And I've, I've wrestled with this for so long. I've wrestled with the fact as to why worship leaders say, pour out your spirit, God. You, the spirit is in us. So let me make a very bold, challenging statement that when the spirit's not moving in the house, whose problem is it? It's our problem. We're not allowing the Spirit to flow out of us into the environment. So when we come into a place, when we come into to, to the church, to, sorry, to the building to, to worship with the church, and we say things like, oh, gee, I, hope the, I hope the good worship team's on this morning, this evening, or I hope Ben's really worked out a sermon, or I hope he doesn't go too long. We are the plugs that are stopping the Spirit from moving. For so long, we've put this unwarranted pressure on the worship leader to lead the people so that the Holy Spirit will come. Hey, bro, bring good worship, anointed, powerful worship, so that the people can receive of the Spirit. But it's all of our jobs to allow the Spirit to flow through us. that The river can grow, be bigger and bigger and bigger. Sean's fist pumping up the back. He gets, gets off the hook. That we can go bigger and bigger and bigger. That the environment changes. So then you take it a little bit further and you go, we want revival to come. We have to change. We want a renewal to come. We have to change. Why? Because it flows out through the temple of God. It throws out through the people. So we're over here like, like toddlers throwing our toys out of the cot because... God won't bring a revival. And he's saying, but it comes through you. I can't bring a revival through you because you're not ready, oh child. You're not mature enough to carry what's going to flow through you. Does anyone know the name of the guy who started the Jesus revival in the 60s, the hippies, what, the hippie revival? Does, it, does anyone know? No one else knows that, though, hey? Isn't that spectacular? Did you see the Facebook post that I also saw? Isn't that the most incredible thing that none of us know his name? Exactly. He's one of God's generals. But the point is, Lonnie Frisbee. Lonnie Frisbee. Did he? I would have, ate, I would have eaten that up, too, if you said he did. The point is, the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that we don't know who he is because it wasn't about him. It was about him rallying a people. I didn't know who he was. I knew that. I know that movement like the back of my hand, but I didn't know who he was. I'd never come across who he was. But the point was, was that it wasn't about him. It was about Jesus. That's why it was called a Jesus movement, the Jesus movement. But what he was able to do was change a people to position themselves to allow the Spirit to flow through, and it became, it became contagious to the point that the next community got it, and the next community got it, and the next community got it, and the next community got it, that all of a sudden, the river starts to flow. Do you know why it goes deeper to deeper to deeper to deeper to we can't swim anymore? Because the more of us start to pick it up. The more river that starts to flow. A trickle leads into another trickle, to another stream, to another... I don't know my water analogies well enough, but it gets to an ocean. It gets to an ocean. So the, the, the point is, and my challenge to us all, 
is that we, as the temple of God, have to shift our mindsets to allow the Spirit to flow through us and create streams and streams and streams and streams until we have a river in this city, in this nation, in, this, in, in the nations that changes people. Does that make sense? Is anyone challenged by that? So when I was talking to Josh and Sean today, and I said, You're the, we're the temple. Sean goes, yeah, I know. And then I said, and it's the spirit that comes through the temple. He goes, yeah, I know, it's awesome. And I'm not having a crack at Sean by any means. Because I walked away from that going, maybe everyone already knows this. Why am I going to preach it again after hundreds of people have already preached it? How many times do we need to hear a sermon? But that challenged me even greater because I go, I've known that. But yet it changed my world when I saw it in that Ezekiel text. And I start going, oh my goodness. How do I allow the Spirit to flow through me? Not just here on a Sunday morning or a Thursday night. But how do I allow that Spirit to flow through me with my kids? I don't want to dam up the walls of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is for you. To flow through you. It flows through you. It's a moving river that comes out, comes in and goes out. When we try and hold it all in for ourselves, we stop the whole move of it. If this small group of people, beautiful group of people, start to erupt in something that God's showing us, we have to take it out. We can't just revel in it here because it's got to go beyond this. It's got to go out. It's got to go into the next stream. It's got to allow the freshness of the rivers. When you read that, uh, that, that verse in Ezekiel, you see the incredible good that it has, the, uh, the amounts of growth, the fruit, but it keeps moving. It doesn't just see one level of fruit and stop. It keeps flowing and more come behind it. As we learn as the church to get away from the things, the stuff, and start questioning ourselves on a Sunday morning, okay, God, I, I don't really want to be here because I'd rather be at home, but I want to I, I allow you to flow through me this morning. And then when I go home, I want to allow you to flow through me. I want to allow you to throw through me on Monday morning when I have to get up and go to work. I want to allow you to move all the time. And we start asking that question. It changes the questions we ask when we come to church. It goes from, hey, Ben, why is there no milk this morning for coffee? To, hey, Ben, a really challenge this morning as to how I allow the spirit to flow. Can we pray together? Yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> the climate of the church in today's age needs to shift. It needs to shift from a people asking about themselves to start asking about how can I get the Spirit to flow through me into other areas of my life. God, how can, how can I see you more? How can I know you more so that I can go and show you more? Dave liked that. He's, got, he's like, know you more, show you more. Beautiful. Is that okay? That's all I have to say. I have 110 more notes. But I, I, I really want us to understand that. And I want us to, to do something with it.
you have a question? 100%. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <I thought> you... <laughs> no, I'm finished. No, I want to say one more thing. We have to, have to, have to understand how to operate in this, guys. I will preach this again and again and again and again and again, not because I don't think we're doing it, but for my own sake, I want to I wanna know how to do this better. Because as the church, when we can learn how to, to, to actually grasp this, I'm the temple of, of God and the Holy Spirit flows through me and increases from me. It's an incredible, credible thing. So go home, ask God about this, question him. Come and talk to me about it. Let's, let's start a conversation about more and more of this to actually understand what it is that's being said. Come. Thanks, Ben. Uh, I think the message is making a lot of sense during worship. I, I got a picture, actually, of a canoe heading down a river. And, um, and there was this sense, like there was, there was a person that was in this canoe, and it was actually Jesus in the canoe, heading down and there was just the word concern that kind of came to me and as I was processing and I was asking God I'm like what does that actually mean and I was just being reminded of what this canoe was leaving and it was solid ground it was comfort it was that I I feel safe in this place but yet the canoe was drifting down this river and um, and just as Ben's been preaching this this message this evening um, I just feel as well that that picture is just so highlighted in what he's been preaching and that there is actually a call for us to live in the uncomfortable, to actually leave the, the solid ground at times and to jump into the boat with Jesus. And, um, and sometimes we are a little concerned about where that's going to take us and what that's going to require of me. But I think that's the encouraging journey for us as we go on this sweet little canoe ride with Jesus down the river. And so I was just wondering, just as a practical application for this, um, we're in a small space right here. Um, hopefully this is all right, Ben. Um, wouldn't it be cool if we could just pray for one another that what Ben has actually been preaching this evening, that we can just pray for one another, that we would have the courage to do that, to actually throw caution into the wind, just throw caution into the wind and say, I'm willing to go down the river with you, Jesus, whatever that means, whatever that looks like. I don't know, but I know you're with me, and that's significant enough for me to say yes. So is that cool if we do that, Ben? Is that cool? So why don't we just grab somebody, grab your partner round and round, and let's actually just pray for one another. I think this is something that I know Ben and Jess um, go after as well too. Let's just strengthen one another, hey, and encourage each other to remain strong in the face of concern and worry. So.